Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Amen. Praise God. Say this with me. Understanding, I have been forgiven. All right, now I wanted to do this on Thursday night at, the, um, at our Kings and Queens night, which wasn't the official one. This Thursday we start, and Thursday nights is gonna be purely equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We've, uh, we've got leaders that are being put into place uh, that are being given the opportunity to share. We're having two people speak every single Thursday on a schedule, and uh, they're going to be able to come out and come up and start to exercise the gift of God on the inside because we want to. We're raising up an army of warriors here. Amen. And uh, we want to see those people being being used by the Lord. There's there's some others we're about to get into touch with you. You'll know shortly. But uh, God is sending us some incredible people in this house. And I know it's for one reason only, because of what's coming. Say something big, something big. and something good, and something good. Is, on is on its way. It's already been released, but it's it, the manifestation of it's busy, it's busy manifesting as we speak, amen? And God is, uh, is bringing people so that we can properly steward what God is bringing to us, amen? And so uh, we're, we're not called to, to raise up and, and for the, you know, it's gonna happen in every church. You're gonna have people that, that, that you know, that just come in on a certain level and, and that's okay. We're not condemning anybody, but we're, our goal is not to create people who just sit in pews on Sunday mornings, listen to a good message and go out. We want to see people activated and equipped for the work of the ministry and God using them because we're, absolutely certain of one thing, that every one of you has a powerful calling, purpose and destiny for your life, no matter what that looks like. It doesn't mean you have to be preaching to the multitudes in Africa or have uh, be speaking in front of audiences of 10,000 or 20,000 people or hundreds or whatever. It's got nothing to do with that. It's doing the will of the Father according to the grace that He has put upon your life. Amen. Whether that's in the marketplace, in your workplace, it doesn't matter. If it is towards ministry, then you've got to start exercising because you've got to start somewhere. I was saying on Thursday night that when, way before I ever got to preach behind any pulpit, when my mom and dad were out of the house, I used to bring one of their stools that looked like kind of like this metal thing over here that's holding my liquids that I get to drink this morning. And uh, I put it on top of the, the bed while they were out, made sure everybody was out because I, I was like, I didn't want them to walk in on me because I'd feel really awkward. And when they left the house, I would put my Bible on it with all my notes and I would preach like there was, I was preaching to thousands of people. In fact, I even found somebody's altar call. You know, the whole, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Like I did the whole thing. I actually wrote it down and recited one so that I would know what to do. Cause I mean, like we're, we're gonna be leading people to Jesus. Are you with me? I gotta know what, what I gotta do, you know? I was equipping myself and then I would preach. And so, you know, if there, if there is ministry on the inside of you, then you've gotta got start somewhere, amen? Come on, preach, line up your teddy bears. Pastor Rodney Hart Brown talks about how he used to preach to the teddy bears, get them baptised. He used to lay hands on them and then catch them with the other hands. It was pretty powerful. 
And uh, so do what you got to do, you know. I mean, whatever you got to line up, if you think it's people in front of you, go ahead and do it. And the Bible, you know, let everything that has breath, if it's capable, maybe you've got a bunch of animals at your home, put them in your bedroom, line them up and preach to them. You know what I mean? They also need ministry. Lay hands on them, except if it's some, something that's able to bite you back, do not lay hands on that. Praise God. But I wanna talk to you this morning about a, a, a subject to me that is so incredibly important and uh, understanding that you've been forgiven. I'm like, okay, so that sounds so elementary to us. Understanding that I've been forgiven. What does the Bible say about my forgiveness and uh, you know, my confidence to understand that I have been forgiven? You know, one of the biggest reasons I'm fully persuaded is many are, many have a lot of, many of us have so much purpose and destiny on the inside of us. There's so much uh, passion for the things of the Lord. At the same time, after years, we, you know, either number, one of two things has happened. And I think predominantly, if religion starts coming into your life, there's certainly going to, uh, this, this feeling of in, inadequacy, this feeling of I'm not good enough, this feeling of I will never measure up. And, and we all play the game and we, we, we don't all, but we have a tendency to play the game of comparison. Religion will get you to play the game of comparison comparison without even realising. What is the game of comparison? In order for me to be like that man of God, I'm going to have to do whatever that man of God is doing. And then we begin to take on this burden in order because in our minds, we equate uh, the anointing that that person carries that I want to carry, I've got to do exactly. So now we start making a recipe book like it's a kitchen cake or something like that. Are you with me? And we start preparing this cake only to find that, oh my goodness, you started to put your feet into a grace that's not even for your race. Are you with me? And when you start putting your feet into a grace that's not for your race, you're gonna start feeling exhausted. You're gonna start feeling weary uh, uh, and and, and you love God, but but, but man, I mean, working and, and doing things in the ministry, it's just a lot of hard work. Are you with me? Somebody say this with me. Somebody say this, God wants me to be in His grace and, and, and the works that come from me should manifest from a place of rest. Now, I'm not saying that even being in the will of God and, 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 and doing what God's called you to do is going to come like, you know, you're gonna look like the beautiful lady on ice, just so eloquent at all times, you know, just perfecting that, that beautiful dance on ice with your tutu men. We're not talking about you in a tutu right now. But the point of the matter is, is that you know, you, the, the, you, it's, it's not like that all the time because the, the Bible also says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. So, so you wanna be in your grace. You wanna be in the place that God's called you to be, or uh, you wanna be in the place that, that, that where, you're, where the, the grace and the anointing for your function, for your unction to function, is in a place of rest for you. Are you with me? Okay, because you don't wanna be putting your feet into somebody else's shoes because you're playing the game of comparison because there's not gonna be a grace. You're gonna be doing it in your own strength. Furthermore, how many of you realise the Bible talks so much about doing things in your own strength? Because anything that you initiate from yourself 
without the Holy Spirit or God doing the initiating is a work of the flesh. Somebody say this, whatever I do without the Holy Spirit, first initiating it is a work of the flesh. I'm really massive on this. And when I'm telling you that there's a confidence when I speak about this specific subject, I'm extremely confident about it for one reason, because the Bible shows us clearly and it doesn't get more clear than the example that I use all the time that I will always continue to use amongst many more things that I'm going to, that, 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 I, will, uh, that I will elaborate on and build upon. But one thing I'm gonna go ahead and say is that remember this, I, how many of you know there's Ishmael and Isaac? And when God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, when God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, what did He say? He said, take now your only son, Isaac. Was Ishmael not born? Of course he was. He was born before Isaac, right? So Ishmael was already on the scene. Isaac was then. God speaks to Abraham. He says, take now your only son. So in other words, Ishmael was Abraham's attempt to Bring the promise of God to pass in His own strength. Are you with me? Isaac was God doing through Abraham what He promised to do through Abraham and Sarah. Are you with me? So when God speaks to Abraham, He says, take now your only son. In other words, He did not acknowledge the works of the flesh. So anything that is initiated by the hand of Abraham, apart from God's hand being involved first and Him being the one initiating it, it is a work of the flesh. And what the Bible says, and this is not not a message of guilt, shame or condemnation, but we all know that when we stand on the other side of eternity and, and our works are weighed in the balance, they're either gonna be works that are purified by the fire and there's gonna be gold refined in the fire or it's gonna be wood, hay and stubble and everything that we did in of ourselves is going to amount to nothing. So I certainly don't want to be engaged on this side while we have breath in our lungs and offer up to God works of the flesh that will amount to nothing when we get to eternity. Amen. And this is not condemnation or guilt, I promise you, I'm just saying. And I don't want to take, take, take a bone out of your mouth because some people want to wrestle, you know. You, you, you find your identity in your doing. You find your identity in all of these things that you do. You, 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 you need, number one, and I, and I said this before, and we've had Dan Moeller in here, and of course this, you know, this is all just touching on the same moment and what a blessing he was to, to this body. I mean, just absolutely incredible. But you can't find your identity in your doing. Your identity is in Him first. Your identity is that you are a son and your identity is that you are a daughter first. Amen? Somebody say sons and daughters. And out of sonship and out of that that daughtership, so to speak, you begin to erupt with the purposes of God as the Holy Spirit initiates them through you. 
right? So we're playing the game of comparison. We can never measure up. And we, we're in this place of guilt and shame because we keep on stumbling. Why? Because it's, you're, 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 you're trying to put your feet into a grace that's not for you. Somebody say this, God has a grace, which means just simply an empowerment and an ability in this context. God has a grace, that God is a grace for me that is designed for me and only for me. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's such a liberating thing when your identity is in Him and not in your doing. Are you with me? Because then you can be confident that, that you are resting in Him and being a person that is initiating, everything being initiated by the Holy Spirit so that when the opportunity comes for you to want to be the initiator, you can confidently say no because you know your identity. And when you recognise your identity, it's easy to stay free from the clutter of religion so you can stay free so that the anointing can work so that God's grace can manifest through your life. The point of the matter of all of that whole story, which as true as it is, is that when we begin to take on the, that, that mindset of I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I don't measure up, I, 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 and we begin to go down that road and we feel inadequate, it's because we, 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 we are also sometimes sitting under a voice that is instructing us that way. And, and so uh, just being honest with you, uh, because and, and then we sit there and we don't feel like we measure up and then condemnation comes in and, and we don't feel good enough. And the issue is, is that we begin to walk in this place of not understanding how forgiven we are by God. Are you with me? And sometimes I had somebody that wanted to get all technical and, you know, some people just want to be legalists about everything. Are you with me? And it's okay if it's okay that we share the truth, but the truth that we share must always be postured from the position of love. Yes, that's right. Because if your attitude is coming from the place that you always feel like that you have to be right more than you love, then you're going to get nothing out of the equation. You're going to nothing is going to happen. You're just dogmatic. You just want to be right more than you love the person. You want to be right because you want your ego to be stroked that you're right and you're wrong. Sometimes you just have to know how to just be quiet even though you're right and love. Because being quiet and knowing how to love will do more for you in seeing the result of the right that you have on the inside of you. Come on. I'm just giving you some pointers to, to help you be free this morning. We want to, we want to, so, so like, I'm getting like really big on the, you can tell, you know, we've had the identity anointing walking through the house and I can't help just leaning there. Come on. You know. 
He, there's a greater depth of that revelation, you know, and I'm thank God that we've, we, we've been ones who have spoken about the righteousness of God and your identity with God. And, you know, that was kind of like the, the nail that, you know, just nailed it in for us last yeah. week. It's just been so powerful. But one of the biggest things that I was talking about there in, in people wanting to get legalistic is so I, I made the point is that sometimes you have an easier time forgiving somebody else. And maybe that's not you. Maybe you have a hard time forgiving somebody else. And the point of the matter is, which brings us back to the same subject, to help you with forgiveness is that you should always measure up with what Jesus did for you. Who am I? Like this is the the posture of walking in pure forgiveness, not works-based forgiveness. Or I forgive him, I forgive him. Like if you say it enough times, you're gonna forgive the person. If I can just say it enough times, maybe I'll believe it. Now, now that's okay, you know, maybe it's gonna take that for you and, and eventually by doing that, you'll actually be connected to the truth through revelation and that's okay, maybe that'll work for you. The point of the matter is the Ephesians and, and Colossians, two different scriptures says, forgive even as God in Christ already forgave you. Forgiveness is not based on whether they ever say sorry to you. What happens if they never apologise? What happens if they never repent to you? What happens if they never come and humble themselves to you? So you are going to stay there sitting and basking in, 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 in bitterness and resentment towards somebody because you feel they have to first come and humble themselves to you before you can release forgiveness to them. I guarantee you, thank God Jesus didn't do that to us. And when we posture ourselves that way, we're saying what they did to us is far greater than what we did to Jesus. It's the truth. So, so back to the point again. So we can say sometimes that we have an ease to forgive somebody and, 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 and I mean, no pride. I mean, I'm just saying that thank God by His grace and I believe it's His anointing, only can be. But you know, I, I, I've gone through many things where I've had the opportunity to take on offence. I've had much of that stuff coming to me. And part of my story that you know is the Holy Spirit dealt with me in, in, a, in a time which I'm not getting into great details. Anyway, I was, it was an encounter with the Lord and I asked the Holy Spirit, what are you doing to me in the middle of this encounter? And He says, I'm removing the pain of the future out of you in advance in that encounter. And it blew me away because everything that took place after the fact, when it took place, helped me to be liberated, helped me. It was like I was in a bubble of grace. I was able to release people for the crazy things that they did to us. Are you with me? So we can, we can forgive others, but there's also one other thing that is also is that the ability to learn how to forgive yourself. And that is what is rooted in understanding that you have been forgiven. Are you with me? The key to, to releasing yourself and forgiving yourself is rooted in the understanding of how much you've been forgiven. 
Because the thing keeping you in that trap or from moving forward or taking a departure from what's kept you stuck is actually you have your own theology of what God looks like and you have taken it to be truth in your mind and you have solidified it as a stronghold, which is what's keeping you there because you truly don't have have a revelation of how forgiven you are because if you did, you would change your mind and then you would begin to break away from what's keeping you somewhere stuck for so long of a period of time. Come on, somebody. You've been given complete dominion over sin. Somebody say, I have complete dominion over sin. Oh, that went over well. Really good. Thank you, Jesus. You have been given dominion over sin. Absolute power. And if you're struggling there, I'm telling you, rooted somewhere and with all good intentions, rooted somewhere, there is still the ability to push away that forgiveness that He's given you because you're still, you, you, it, it, you, you, you just, there, there, there is, a, there is a, 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 a breakdown in the equation of His goodness towards you. 1 John 2 verse 12 says, I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Number two, Ephesians 1 verse 7 says this, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Come on, I'll read the first Scripture again. All of our sins have been forgiven through Jesus. You have been given full forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Then Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. According to the goodness of how wonderful I am. According to uh, everything I did in this past week. You have been given forgiveness according to the riches of His grace. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ forgave us. (laughs) Come on, just sit and think about that. While we were yet sinners, when He was in the, how many of your sins were, how many of your sins were future when Jesus was on the cross? So while, he, while, you're, while we were yet sinners, which is while He was on the cross, Come on. He took our sins upon Him. I mean, He forgave you whether you ever came repenting to Him or not, He forgave you at the cross. Now, we receive the benefits of all of that when we come to the table of the Lord and we acknowledge Him as the one that gave us the gift and, and forgave us. When we come to Him, you know, apart from Christ coming in, they can't, we cannot receive that. Even though it's been paid for, you know, the, the gospel of good news to the world isn't us telling them that they're sinners. No, Jesus forgave you receive, believe in the one so you can receive what He's given you. Come 
Come on, that's got to be encouraging this morning. And then Colossians 1 verse 14, in whom we have redemption through the blood, uh, through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. Through redemption, through the blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. Come on, I'm just layering this thick here for us just to kind of allow this to embed so that as we understand, come on, uh, uh, you know, as much as you're able, it, it takes the same revelation to be able to free and forgive others as it is the same revelation to free yourself. Yes. Are you with me? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 19. We all know this one. We, 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 we browse over it, we miss it, but it says that, that, God, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed us the word of reconciliation. What reconciliation? That in Christ, God reconciled us to the Father, that God was reconciling us to Him. That's the, the ministry of reconciling. The Gospel's right there. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. In other words, not holding them guilty for the things that they are guilty of. Are you with me? Come on, somebody say good news. And when we, we take on this good news and we begin to, come on, if, if, you're, if you're having a bad day and you, you're, you know, you, 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 you first of all, find, get, the, the, the number one thing that we can do in order to walk in the destiny of God, to walk free from this, this thing of understanding that you've been forgiven and just really receiving that so you can be a confident son in the house of the Lord or a confident daughter in the house of the Lord. The more this is on the inside of you, the more it's not a confidence of the flesh. It's a confidence of knowing who you are. You wake up in the morning, you're not full of, I'll never measure up. You're not full of, what did this person do to me? Or, 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 or I can't do it. I always seem to fail. And, and you're in, you need to get out of that place. You see, because what you, 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 you can't even begin to function really in the destiny that God's got for you when you can't even get up out of the bed in victory, but yet you wanna take on the world and win the world for the Lord. Let's get the foundational truths here established on the inside of you so that you at least know how to get up out of bed in the morning and you can conquer your bed and then you can conquer your workplace and then you can conquer the next thing God tells you to do, but you're gonna do it from a place of complete freedom and understanding what's available to you. You see, we don't have a revelation of what's available to us. And to, and, to, and to fully grab a hold of it isn't a place of arrogance. It's not arrogant to, 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 to take what Jesus paid for, that He shed His blood. It's not arrogance to begin to lay hold of what He's done for us. No, He paid a price for that. He wants you to grab a hold of it. In fact, when you do that, you're showing Him, I believe in everything that was done on the cross for me. And Lord, I don't want one drop of Your blood to be shed in vain. I want Your blood to function 
salvation in my life in its fullness so that when I get to the other side, I can just hear these simple words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter ye into the joy of the Lord. That's it. That's it, for He made Him, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, and just a couple of verses down from where we just read, for He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You never became the righteousness of God in Him because you were so good that you finally mustered up enough goodness that Jesus said, finally, I can make you righteous. Or not even finally, I can make you righteous. No, you are so good that you have reached perfection of righteousness. That's not what it says. For him who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Another translation says that we might be made righteous. Guess what? Let me just tell you right now. Can I tell you something real quick, really quickly? Guess what? You were made a sinner when you were born. You didn't have a choice in the matter, right? And the same way you were made a sinner when you came to Jesus and you said yes, because everything on the inside of you just connected with the gospel. There was a supernatural faith. The hand of the Lord was present. And, and, and the same way that you were made a sinner where you were born, you were made righteous. Yes. What did you, tell me, what did you do when you came out of your mother's womb to be made a sinner? Nothing. Nothing. Are you with me? Yeah. And by the same token, Jesus made us righteous. Yes. Come on. So that righteousness He gave us is exactly the same sin that was put upon us by Adam, but in the contrary, in the reverse order. Are you with me? Yeah. And to live anything less than that is to say that the first Adam is more powerful than Jesus. Come on, somebody. Hebrews chapter 10, I wanna read this quickly and kind of land the plane here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. All right, so we have been sanctified through the body of Jesus once for all. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Through His sacrifice, we were sanctified. Amen? Hebrews 10, 11 says, And every priest stands daily, ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can, what? Never, never take away sins. Exactly, because the the sacrifice of the animal and the shedding of the blood of the animal would only act as a temporary covering. 
and it was a covering. There's a difference, by the way, the, the, the forgiveness of Jesus as a, uh, uh, the old covenant forgiveness was a covering. The forgiveness of Jesus, when you see the word remission, remission is like, you know, you have a kitchen sink and it is clogged to the, I mean, it is clogged to the max and you have to get a plumber or you have some crazy supernatural, um, uh, 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 you know, like acidic, chemical agent that you can pour down that literally dissolves every single trace that there was ever a clog in the pipe and that chemical comes in, washes it. And when you turn the tap on, the flow of the river just goes right through. And the old covenant blood of the animal was acting as a covering. It never took out the blockage because the blockage would never be able to take out by the blood of an animal. But the blood of Jesus and remission is like a chemical agent that goes into the pipe, that goes in, removes every last clog that's on the inside of that pipe so that the water of heaven can flow through you so that you are able to receive everything that heaven has for you. Are you with me? It is washed. How can you say that? Well, because the Bible says He's taken your sin as far as the east is from the west. He's removed every transgression from you. Come on, He's thrown everything into the sea of forgetfulness. So when you, come on, this is the reality. In children's church, we we even learn this in children's church. When you go to God every time because the enemy has got you in a cycle of guilt, condemnation, and he's got you all tied up, you're unable able to forgive yourself because you don't know the revelation of how you've forgiven. You're sitting there in a corner. He's reminding you about something. When you go to God and say, God, would you forgive me? He's saying, listen, what are you talking about? The clog in the pipe is gone. I don't even know where it is. It's not there anymore. Why? Because He said, I've taken it and I've washed it. I, it's not in my remembrance. He can't remember it. He's like, what are you talking about? The hard drive has been erased. That shouldn't be us now going, my God, He's forgiven me of so much. Like, you know, this is what I'm saying. You preach this and people say, well, listen, what about sin? And I'm not saying anything about sin, but I will tell you what's, what's greater than sin, the power of God. I will not glorify the power of sin and talk about sin to make a people that are conscious about sin, but I will preach the goodness of God and the righteousness of God and the consciousness of what He's done because the consciousness of what He's done is gonna give you the power to be free, but the consciousness of sin, if it is repeated and repeated, will continuously keep you in a cycle of sin all the time, never feeling adequate and like you will never ever measure up. Hmm, come on, somebody. Yes. Hebrews 10 verse 12 says, but this man, oh, I love it. I love the words, but this man, the man, the lion, come on, the righteousness of God, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys, the prince of peace, this man, After he had offered one sacrifice for all sins, what did he just? What had just happened before that? For there, the priests had to stand daily. All right, to 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 use the blood of animals, which could never take away sins. And then it says, "But this man, come on, come on, 
that would never work, but this man. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, that means Jesus never ever needs to come to the earth, go to a cross again, shed His blood. Why? Because His once for all time sacrifice was good for all of humanity. It sufficed. sat down after he had done that. The Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He would never have been able to sit down at the right hand of the Father. Why? His work was complete. He said, it is finished. When he sat down at the right hand of the Father, guess what? When do we ever sit down? When you, when you have had a hard day and you've fulfilled your tasks at work, you come back and you've maybe got... You accomplished what you were supposed to for that day and you feel like there's a, there's a feeling of satisfaction. You come back home and I mean, you know, if you're married and you have children, you come back and you're like, glory to God, I'm home. And then you come back in and your wife is there and, and it's a great evening and you, and, and you just wanna sit down. You get on your recliner if you have one, you pull the little lever on the right if it's not electrical and you still got a manual. Come on, are you with me? You pull that sucker back and you put your legs back on, on and you just relax. And why? You sit down, why? Because your tasks are done and now what do you do? You enter into a place of rest. Jesus, but this man who offered the one time sacrifice forever for all sins sat down at the right hand of the Father. That means he is postured in confidence that everything that needed to be done so that the will of the Father through him could be done in the earth was completed. He says, Father, I've done your will. Hallelujah. Everything that needed to be done, what I was sent for was done. Now I'm gonna sit down. Hallelujah. In, in eternal communion. Come on, are you with me. He did it once for posture. Why? He was confident that it was done. It's not a half finished work. It's a complete finished work. And then Hebrews 8 verse 12, really quickly, if you go back, it says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Oh, come on, somebody. You have no idea how I feel right now. I mean, I am like just, it's so glorious. I mean, it is crazy, amazing. He is so good. And, and, and if I didn't say it, I'm gonna say it one, I'll say it in case I said it and I don't remember it, but I'll say it one more time if I did. What about what, what in what you are hearing right now makes you go, wow, this is so awesome. I'm going to find the first bar so I can snort a line of cocaine. <laughs> no, 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 no. What, is there anything about what you are hearing that is provoking you to sin? No. I know it sounds crazy, right? 
But you can't preach this stuff because you're gonna provoke people to sin. What about what you are hearing right now provokes you to sin? Or does it provoke you to righteousness? Or does it provoke you to come boldly to the throne of grace? Does it provoke you to come into the power of God so you can receive every bit of strength that you need so that you can fulfill the purpose and destiny of God? Because that's what I sense in my spirit. That's it. It's free. It's freedom. It's liberty. It provokes you to now, now, and this is it. So, so what we do as the church, because we have more confidence in the law. And putting people under bondage, under a list of you shall not do, you shall not do this, you shall not do that, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You have more, you have more, more confidence in what the law can do and instituting the law over people and in, in, in creating a list of do's and don'ts. You have more, more confidence to control people so that they don't do that instead of getting the revelation of the, of how good he is. And guess what? That law uh, written on, on, on stone, Listen, the the Holy Spirit has come. The book of Romans, read the book of Romans. We have the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. Because you, unlike the, unlike the old covenant people that were, that were, there was a covenant only between God and Israel, only between God. The, the Gentiles weren't even included in that law. Are you with me? They didn't even have the Holy Spirit like we had. They had to follow something prescribed like a prescription on paper. They, they didn't even have the Holy Spirit. And so my question is, is it, is it from following what's written on paper that causes you to not sin or is it that you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, the one that empowers you to live in a way that is pleasing to the Father, which by the way, when you are enamoured with the revelation of what He's done for you, there is a desire that is a response that says, God, I wanna live a life pleasing to you. There's no strings attached. There's nothing attached to it other than I give my life to you because of what you've done for me. And, and that always becomes the question, which is this. When last did the Holy Spirit lead you? And it's a ridiculous thing. To go down to the bar and get horribly drunk so that you could muster up enough confidence to fall into adultery or fornication with somebody. The Holy Spirit never leads you there. That's why. So that's why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads and directs us and guides us into all truths. Yes. Come on. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you the, the final craziest thing here. So the law was made, a covenant made between God and the children of Israel, right? 
the Gentiles, the, the two times that God, Jesus in the Gospels deals with the Gentiles and giving them miracles. He called the one woman a dog. And the centurion man, he came, he understood, was, he, he un, actually understood more than the Jewish people under the law. And so did she. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table. And Jesus said to them both, assuredly, I tell you, I have not seen more great faith in all of Israel to both of those people. And the only two he said that to were Gentiles who were not even a part of the covenant. Why? Actually, they are a type and shadow of the new, new believer. Because they came to him by faith, because they knew they had no chance of coming to him on merit of the covenant. So they had to engage him from a place of faith. Look, I know that I'm not part of this covenant, but I see how powerful you are and I see how good you are. And I see the miracles that you do. I'm coming to you because I recognise that they're postured in a position of faith. I've seen, I know that if you can do it for them, you can do it for me too. Are you with me? So why am I saying that? Is because we have so many people on this side of the cross that somehow think the new covenant engrafted you into the old covenant. That covenant was only for the Jewish people. Are you with me? We're not engrafted into the old. They and us are engrafted into the new. Them and us not engrafted into an old tree, they are engrafted into the one tree and the tree is named Jesus. We've all been engrafted into Him under a better covenant, a blood that speaks of better things, a blood that is no longer just acting as a covering, but has completely obliterated everything that would stop us from coming into fellowship with Him. So you need, to, you need to sit and meditate on this. Maybe some, of you, maybe some of you have had a hard time releasing somebody else. If you're waiting to release them, uh, waiting for the day that they come and apologise to you, my friend, you might never ever see that day. So let's talk about that. Unforgiveness is an awful thing. It's like you're drinking a glass of poison, hoping the other person gets hurt. I didn't make that up. You've heard that many times. Release them. The only body being, person being held captive by all of that is yourself. And then bring it back to the foot of the cross. Imagine if Jesus was to do us that way and He had every right to. If He wanted to, He had every right to do it. Amen? Maybe, maybe you, you, you can forgive everybody else, but you have a hard time with yourself. Forgive yourself. Release yourself according to the forgiveness He's given you. And then walk in the full confidence Come on, because the moment you begin to, and let me just tell you this, if you will grab a hold of what you are hearing today, 
I'm not saying that there's never going to be struggles because there are struggles. We have opportunities, but you're going to wake up in a confidence of who you are, the righteousness that He has made you, that you, you, you are going to be on a, you're going to be like a madman and woman on a mission for the kingdom. And that's not going to feel great for one month because you did good for that month. And then, man, you slipped up and now you're back to square one all over again. No, when you rely on Him, it's everlasting. Come on. Amen? Amen? Come on. Can we give Jesus a shout of praise in this place this morning?